Are you ready for the word today? Are you ready? All right. Well, I think I'm ready. I woke up with a migraine today, and I've pumped myself full of coffee and medicine, and I think I'm ready to rock, okay? <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> and, uh, well, last week we started a brand new series called Toxic Emotions, and uh, we are looking through the book of Proverbs for wisdom in how uh, to help us with some of these things in our lives. Proverbs is wisdom literature in the scripture, and uh, these are things that are generally true when applied, and I say generally true because sometimes if you apply that, you know, you, you still have to use what? Wisdom and discernment uh, when to apply it where and when. But last week we started off uh, this discussion about toxic emotions. We, we specifically talked about anger. So we kicked this off talking about anger. And, uh, and if you weren't here, th- these are some of the things we said when dealing with anger in our life. Number one, that you just have to let it go. You have to let a lot more things go than you currently are letting go. And actually, if you were to choose for one year to let everything go 100% of the time, you probably would only regret it 2% of the time. Now, now there obviously generally that is true let it go and there are some things that in our lives that that we should be angry about and that is why number two I said that we need to focus our anger on the right things I don't think that that to deal with your anger you need to I need to remove all the anger out of my life no I think you need to be angry about the right things I think you should be angry that women and children are enslaved around the world I think you should be angry that people need care I think you should be angry at at some of the things the ways that our world is 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 going Jesus showed anger in, in multiple times in the Gospels, but in his anger, he never sinned, right? And so, 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 so the third thing we said is when it comes to anger in our lives, it's important. We looked at David when, when 10,000 assailed him, and, but he chose to focus on what was true in his life. And many times when we are, are encountering a conflict or, or frustration in our lives, it's important to affirm truth first. What is true that, that, well, God's still on his throne, that he is your provider, your sustainer, and when you go through a series of affirming truth in your life, well, then all of a sudden, you step back and go, I really don't feel as angry anymore. (laughs) And the the fourth thing we said was always to take the offense and the offender to the Lord and leave it there because his throne is just and righteous And so just as a reminder that we said last week that God is better at justice and righteousness than you. He's better at it than you. So take the offense and the offender to the Lord and leave it there. That was last week. And if you didn't catch that, you can always uh, go to newlifeforkokomo.org. All of our messages are archived online there. But today we're going to move to our next toxic emotion and look at the book of Proverbs for, for some wisdom on how to deal with that. And that is that today we're going to talk about jealousy. Jealousy. Did you know that jealousy can be a toxic emotion in your life? And I'm going to show you just how bad jealousy can be. And maybe when you think of jealousy, maybe you think of like that jealous girlfriend or that jealous boyfriend and uh, but, but jealousy it, it can mean so much more than that. And, and I, I, I just dare to say today that more of you in this room are dealing with jealousy than you even realize. I'm going to ask you a couple questions here in a few minutes to help expose the jealousy in you, not to shame you, but so that we can deal with the root of jealousy where it is and get free from it. Amen? Uh, so this is how bad jealousy is. Proverbs 27.4 says that wrath is cruel, 
Like, like anger, is, it's, it, it's bad. Wrath is cruel. Anger is overwhelming. But who, who can stand before jealousy? That's how bad that is. Yeah, we talked about anger last week. Bad deal, right? But who could stand before jealousy? It keeps coming after you, and it keeps coming after you until it controls you unless you can control it. Jealousy. Helps if I have my pages in the right order. And there's, there's, a, there's this significant story in the Scripture that shows us just how uh, harmful jealousy can be. And actually... This, this very harmful event rooted in jealousy takes place in only the fourth chapter of the scriptures. In Genesis chapter four, we see the story of Cain and Abel. And if you remember, Cain and Abel are the, the, the sons of Adam and Eve. So like we're like in the first family in the Bible and we already see some toxic traits taking place there. Here's what it says. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits from the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel, Abel uh, brought, uh, brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his, of his flock. Excuse me. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was angry, and his face was downcast. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you, will, will you, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. That's a, that's a good word. That's a good reminder. Sin is crouching at your door. It is ready to pounce on you. It's looking for a moment of opportunity. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, there's, notice there's like no break in the story. God's saying, hey, I see that you're angry, bud, but if you do what's right, it's gonna be okay. And then almost no break in the story, Cain says to his brother Abel, hey, yo, you wanna go out to the field? Come on, they, and while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and killed him. Well, that escalated quickly, didn't it? And, and so we see already, right there, the jealousy of Cain. Why? Because Abel did something that was seen as favorable and himself as unfavorable. So instead of listening to the voice of the Lord, hey, if you do what's right, it'll be right, it'll be okay, Instead of like fixing his problem, I'll just defeat the one that was more favorable than me. And that's what jealousy does. It doesn't seem reasonable, does it? It would seem more reasonable to deal with the root of jealousy or really to fix the insecurity in you, but instead it's very unreasonable to just say, well, I'm going to go do something harmful to the one that uh, was better than me or, or the one that outperformed me to, so that I don't have to elevate myself. I just have to bring them down a little bit. And that is, that's the true evil of jealousy. And, and, that, and that is this, that jealousy makes normally reasonable people do harmful things. Like under normal circumstances, these are, these are reasonable people. 
but because of jealousy, these normally reasonable people do harmful things. Anger can be violent, but jealousy worse. You see, and, and here's why. Anger is typically directed at someone for doing wrong. Okay, I want you to hear this. Anger is typically directed at somebody because they did something wrong. Jealousy is directed at someone because they did something good and right. Moreover, jealousy is directed at someone that just happened to be better than you. You see the difference. Anger is, you wronged me. And we, and we talked about how to deal with that anger in our life. Jealousy is, you're better than me, and I'm angry. That's what makes jealousy worse. That's what makes it worse. Jealousy, then, is the manifestation of our own personal insecurities. That you can't be in the presence of somebody that might be more talented than you, or maybe appears to have more favor than you, gets more attention than you. And what happens is jealousy just points to a bigger root issue, that you have, secure, uh, you have a personal insecurities that are rising to the surface. And really, it, it shows a person with a low self-esteem, that you are hard on yourself. So struggling with insecurities and low self-esteem is to, is, you know, it's to feel bad about yourself. Like you're not measuring up, you, you don't, you're not performing, and, and you're measuring yourself against others that might be more gifted in certain areas that you're not, but it makes these frustrations of jealousy come to the surface. And then when you see someone that has a strength where you have a weakness, uh-uh, that just reminds you of your insecurity. That just reminds you that you're not good enough. And so when I'm in the presence, so then when, when we're in the presence of someone that has a strength where we have a weakness, then jealousy leads us to comments or actions that are harmful. Hey, how'd I do? Oh, you, you did pretty good. I saw a couple things you probably could have done better at. But yeah, really, really great job. It was okay. No, they did Fantastic. Man, you have improved so much. You did a wonderful job. I'm so proud of you. Here comes the jealous person. Well, there's a couple things you probably could have done better. And, uh, and I, could sh I could probably tell you what they were. But overall, I would say, okay. Like that, like that's, that is a sleight of hand, <laughs> passive-aggressive way of, of showing jealousy. Now, obviously, the extreme side of jealousy would be, uh, hey, hey, yo, you want to go out to the field? Keying the car, <laughs> you know. Uh, years ago, when we lived in Indianapolis, um, I'm kind of a yard guy. Like I like my yard looking like better than yours. Okay, <laughs> and uh, I, I, just, I, I really like, like uh, having a good yard. And so my uh, we bought this house in Indianapolis, and the yard was the yard was really bad. And so I decided that one fall uh, I rented a rear time rototiller and I tore out my entire yard. My neighbor thought I was crazy. I tore out my entire yard. I had dump trucks of topsoil brought in, and then I planted 
uh, a premium grass seed that I chose. I wanted every grain of grass to be the exact same. I didn't want, you know, like rye and fescue mixed. I wanted it to be I, the same. And so I planted my own seed. I, I, I set up a whole sprinkler system to keep that thing moist and damp for two weeks before it germinated. And in the first year, like, it looked okay. But after two years, man, I, 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 gotta, I just have to tell you, my yard was the best in the neighborhood. And I wasn't trying to be the best. I just, I just love a good yard. And, and then I had a good neighbor friend that he used to have the best yard in the neighborhood. And so he began to, you know, we began to banter a little bit. Well, then uh, I was tending to the yard. Uh, y'all listen, this is, this is how, this is how particular I can be about things. So when the yard first grew in, you know, I, I used straw, and, and I regret using straw. I shouldn't have used straw, because straw can bring in other seed uh, of other types. And so as my yard was growing in, I, I, I had these, these pieces of grass shooting up that would shoot taller than the seed I grew. And so I asked my yard guide who came and treated my lawn, I sent him pictures like, what is this that's growing in my yard? And he said, I never heard of it, and maybe he was lying to me, but he said it's called quack grass. And he, I, I'm like, he says, yeah. He, he, then he asked me, did you use straw? I said, I did. He said, quack grass came in with your straw. And, and so, so literally, while the boys played in, out front, I crawled around my yard because you can't treat quack grass. I crawled around my yard with a screwdriver, and I pulled every single piece of quack grass out of my lawn so that it would all be the same. So, uh, so the, okay, this is how ridiculous it was. But it was right. It was good. It was luscious. It was green. I had a neighbor walk by one day, and he, and he said, man, your lawn looks so good. I'm like, man, thank you so much. You know, we put a lot of work into it. And he said, I've been trying to grow grass in my backyard for years. I just can't get it to grow. And I gave him some pointers. You know, like, you know, don't try to grow seed in the summer. It needs to be early spring or early fall. Don't try to do it any other time. And I, I gave him some pointers, whatever. He says, man, I just, I walk by your yard, because you walk this dog. I walk by my yard, your yard every day, and I just think to myself, man, I want to come back here tonight, pour gasoline all over it, and light it on fire. <laughs> and he, you know, like, sometimes, like, you hear someone's sarcasm and joking in their voice, in their voice? He didn't have that. I could tell he really actually thought about ruining my yard. <laughs> and so, uh, so I hired the premier lawn treatment company in town to, to, to treat my lawn. And, and they would put the, you know how like the lawn treatment company puts a little flag in your yard to, to let people know it was just treated? Well, their, their flag uh, had a saying on it. It said, hey neighbors, are you jealous? Give us a call, you know, and like that was their marketing tactic, but like that's what exactly what it was. Like this guy was so jealous that he even had the thought, I should burn that to the ground. Like jealousy makes normally reasonable people, hey, how you doing? Great, your lungs good? Yeah, great. Do harmful things? Yeah, I really thought about torching your lawn. Like like that that's unreasonable. So it, it makes us make comments or take actions, but the reality is jealousy just, it points to a deeper issue. Personal insecurities, low self-esteem. And God wants to help you with that. God wants to help you with that. And so, and so uh, 
I'll, I'll remind you that the, the, there's a, a commandment, the tenth commandment. The tenth commandment says that you shall not covet your neighbor's lawn. <laughs> you should not covet your neighbor's house. You should not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox, his donkey, his truck, their car, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Do not covet, because jealousy has this way of turning normally reasonable people into doing harmful things. 1 Corinthians 3, in the third verse, is what it says. You are still worldly. It's almost like Paul is like getting to his wit's end with this church, these children of his. He says, you are still worldly for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? You see, a lot of righteous people think they're not worldly, but they're, they struggle with jealousy, therefore worldly. And, and the point I want to make to you is this, is that this kind of jealousy we're talking about, you can't, you can't skirt around it. It's sin. It's sin. And, and the, sin is the very thing that God bankrupt heaven with his son to come and to be beaten, bruised, and whipped, and tortured, even to a cross, to deliver you of. So you're still worldly if, you're, if you struggle with jealousy. And this is the kind of stuff that Jesus died to deliver you from. And so, so sin is crouching at your door. It wants to have you. But for today's sake, I would say that, that jealousy is crouching at your door, but you must rule over it until it controls you you must control it. You have to control it or it will control you. Did you know that jealousy exists in the church? Absolutely it does. Absolutely. People will, will look across the church and see people's different kinds of giftings and say, oh man, if I could just be like that. Man, look like, if I could just, if I could just sing like that team, man. Oh man, look, look at them. They sing like uh, oh, 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 if I just had, if I was so, if I was outgoing like them, if I had, if I could understand the Bible like them, whatever it may be, the jealousy certainly exists in the church. It, it exists in the church even in this way. They come from money, and I don't. Their children are so well behaved, and mine aren't. Which is funny because. You ask those parents, and they'll tell you that they have some of the same struggles as you. Oh, look at their marriage. The grass is greener on the other side. There's a reason. If the grass is greener on the other side, remember, do not covet your neighbor, his, his house, his lawn, his car. If the grass appears to be greener on the other side, there's two reasons. One, they're really good at lying. Because sometimes that's true. Or two, they happen to be working on it and you're not. You see, my lawn was premier. 
but I put a lot of work in it. A lot of work. There's a reason it was greener. And marriages look greener on the, on the other side because they're working on it. And you don't see the ugly, the ugly parts, the difficult conversations, maybe the counseling that they sought, or the dedication it took to have that healthy marriage. You don't see that, but you do see the fruit of it. And you say, oh, I want that. I'm jealous of it. It's greener on the other side because they worked on it. Or it appears to be greener on the other side because you're just looking at the social media account, which is a highlight reel and may not be real. And so then you become jealous of something that's not real. And it just will eat you up inside. It's crouching at your door, but you must rule over it. Proverbs 14.30 is what it says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Rots the bones. So there's the second thing I want you to know is that jealousy destroys your life from within. Jealousy will rot your life from within. It starts in your thought life, in your self-talk. It begins in the, with internal thoughts, internal turmoil and eventually leads to comments actions that are destructive to your life it starts from within now i told you that i was going to ask you some questions today that will might reveal that you have more of a jealousy problem than you thought and so so the question is is how to know if jealousy is destroying your life how do you know i'm going to ask you a couple questions the first question is this the person you resent does it irritate you when they succeed? So, so is there someone in your life that they keep winning and it is irritating to you? Is there somebody at work? They're like, man, if they get promoted one more time, I'm going to burn this place. No, 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 okay. <laughs> is, is, is there someone that, that maybe even you, you see serving the church, and you're like, man, it just irritates me that they're good, that they're better. Like, like that is a root of jealousy, and you need to deal with that. The second question is this. Would it make you happy if they failed? Is there, is there a competitor in your business? Is there someone in your field of work, a neighbor, or a sibling that you would just, how, you would just love it, you would kind of secretly make you smile if you saw them fail. It would secretly make you smile if you, if you found out that there was some hidden skeletons in their closet. Just secretly, it would make me a little happy because I'm really sick and tired of them always being the goody goodies. If that is true, if there's if there's some of that, it would secretly make you a little happy if you watch them suffer, then, then, then there's a root of jealousy there that you need to deal with. And, and the third question, do you only see what's wrong with them and not what is right? Do you only see what's wrong with them and not what is right? I told you jealousy exists in the church. And if we apply these three questions to some things that happen in church and ministry, a lot of pastors even struggle with this kind of jealousy too. A lot of times. 
Because again, does it irritate you when they succeed? Does it irritate you when another church is growing more than yours? I mean, pastors, I think, really need to ask these three questions of themselves. Because I think if God could heal something in them, then, then God could probably grow their church. And so, so, so it irritates them, or it irritates a, a church when they see a church down the road that is seemingly doing better or, or having more growth, or, 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 or you, you put whatever label on it you want. Because, and then number two, it secretly would make you happy to see if that other church, would, you'd find out, oh, their attendance is dwindling. You're like, oh, I knew it would happen. I mean, come on. Like, like that is a, that's a true heart thing. And, uh, and pastors have to deal with this stuff. These are questions that, that I've had to ask myself in the past. And because then it reveals, what are we doing here, right? And, and the third one, uh, do you only see what's wrong with them, not what is right? As if, oh, uh, you know, a church is big because they're doing something right. As if because a church is small means they're doing something wrong. You, you see, we do this, and not just in the church, where we do this to our neighbors, our, 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 our family members, our in-laws, you know, whatever it may be, you know, we only see what's wrong. You see, you, you know what's wrong with them? Here's what's wrong with them. They're not doing, they're not preaching the true gospel. That's how they're big. They're not doing the real thing. That's how I know. Maybe there's a root of jealousy there. And let's set aside theological issues that are true issues, right? Let's just really deal with our hearts. Does it bother you to see other people win? in your workplace, in your home, your sibling, friends of yours, whatever it may be, then I would say that there is a root of jealousy in your life, and it is crouching at your door, and you're going to need to control that before it controls you. Proverbs 24, this is why you shouldn't be envious of of the world. Proverbs 24, 19 says, do not fret because of evildoers, or be envious of the wicked. For the evildoer has no future hope, and the lamp of the, liquid, of the wicked will be snuffed out. And I really wish that, that uh, you know, my, my years as a youth pastor, I really wanted young people to, to understand this. Look, you're envious of the world. You're envious of what you see on social media, you're envious of those that are getting attention and likes and comments. You're envious of the rich and the famous. But listen, you don't want to be envious of them because their future is bleak and it has no hope. There's no hope in that kind of life. Don't be envious of that life. They have no future hope. But we have a future hope, don't we, church? We have a future hope rooted in Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah, our truth. He is our rescuer, our deliverer, our redeemer. Listen, I don't, I don't need to be known and famous. I know Jesus. And, and, and that gives me identity. That gives me future hope. But when we put our future hope in worldly things, are you not worldly? Well, if you're jealous, you're worldly. If you're jealous, you're worldly. James 3.16, it says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, you have disorder. 
So if there is jealousy and envy and selfish ambition, your life is not in order because you are seeking satisfaction from things that, from other things and not God. It, it, you're seeking satisfaction from notoriety. You're seeking satisfaction and being seen and being known like that person over there or like that person over there. And, and, and in all reality, the third thing that I want you to, to really understand is that jealousy is a form of idolatry because you're seeking satisfaction from something other than God. That's idolatry. At its root, jealousy is a form of idolatry. We're placing our satisfaction in something that's not God, and we're saying that God is not sufficient for us. We need that thing that they have, and then we'd be satisfied. We need that which we are jealous of to find true satisfaction. Idolatry is whenever we prioritize any other thing in front of the priority of God. And many times, jealousy is a form of this kind of idolatry. But the, the second commandment says that you shall make for yourselves, you shall not make for yourselves any idols, zero idols, God alone is to be worshipped. God alone should be placed on the throne of your heart. God alone is the one who satisfies. God alone is the root of, of who you are. He's the core of who you are. Because of that, the only right response to jealousy is to repent of it. Is to confess it. Turn away from jealousy and turn back to God, placing him in his rightful place, which is the number one priority of your life. Turning from the poison of our envy and running to the throne room of grace. Yeah. Jealousy is just a form of idolatry. And so really when it comes to jealousy in our lives, we have to deal with our own insecurities. We have to deal with the fact that maybe we have low self-esteem, and, uh, and I would tell you that uh, you know, for many years, and I was a, a, just a staff pastor on staff at churches, and, um, and, I, and it, at times there, I faced difficulties because um, I literally had some leaders in my life that would come into my office and say, I'm jealous of you. And I would just be like, I don't know what to do with that. What are you, what are you talking about? Like, like you have a way of just walking in a room and being yourself, and, and I can't do that. And, and, and I was like, oh. I mean, what, what I, I'm like 20-some years old. I don't know what to say to that. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know. And, and, or, or like uh, I've had times where, you know, I'm, I'm leading my little area of ministry in a church, and I'm leading with passion and vision because I literally don't know what else to do other than just be passionate about it. And then, then afterwards, you know, a pastor coming up, uh, my, my lead pastor came up over me, and then kind of backtracking what I'm doing to try to say, basically, like, um, I, I've done this before, this is nothing new, and, like, you felt the excitement of the church kind of, like, dwindle, and I, and I just thought to myself, Lord, I, I just pray that I, 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 
I'm not being arrogant, first of all. Like, is that, a, is that an arrogant thing that I'm making someone feel that way? But also, like, I never want to be that. I never want to be that. I want to be someone that can see someone. That, like, you have a strength where I have a weakness, and I need you. Like, like I need you to fill a role in the church because that's my weakness, that's your strength. And, and we form one body, the body of Christ, many forms, right, various parts, all different functions, but, like, we, we don't all need me. And, but we, we all need each other. And so, like, and that is, that is a church in unity when we can look across the room and be like, you have a strength where I have a weakness. We need that. Not, 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 not you have a strength where I have a weakness. Oh, I'm not good enough. No, no, that, that is the wrong view. It, we need a unified view of, like, you're a great, great teacher of the word. We need you. You are incredibly hospitable. We need you. You l- Listen, if there's anything that sometimes I get jealous of, it is extroverted people. Because I have introverted like, like in, uh, tendencies. Thanks, hon. I have introverted tendencies. And this is, for me, this is what it means. I'm outgoing. I love people. But people drain my energy. And so when I have a very long day of ministry, I hate that I'm affected physically in my body. I really hate that about myself because I wish I could just keep going, but I can't. I physically, I, I just, I physically shut down. Like, I, I don't have the strength by just the, the, the output of, of being, uh, like the people output. And I, and I, I have a limit and, I, and I, I, I hate that about myself. But I've had to embrace it and say, but to be the best me, then I have to know my limitations. But then, but then there are extroverted people, and I'm like, you need to be a life group leader because like, we, need, we need people that have that extroverted tendency that can like, output to people and like, connect people and, and create fellowship. I'm like, I'm like, yes to that. That's awesome. But for me, I have to know my limitations and not be insecure about it. And also knowing that some people might even judge me for my own, like, differences. And, and it, I, I'm not going to let that feel, I'm not going to make that, let that make me feel bad. In the past, I would make that, I would like, be like, I need to change. I need to be everything for everyone at all time. And then I say yes to everything. And every yes I say to everything else is a no I'm saying to my marriage and my kids. And I'm like, wow, no, I can't. And so we have to know ourselves. But we form one body, many parts. And we need you. Don't be jealous of a hand because you're a foot. And this is what Paul says. Paul breaks it down that easy. Don't say to the foot, I don't need you. Well, we only say we don't need you because we're not you. We only say I don't need you because I can't be you. I only say I don't need you because I, I don't get the notoriety you get for your kind of gift. And I have, I have like a background unseen gift, and that bothers me. It affects my insecurity and my low self-esteem. So get out. I don't need you. No, no, no. We all, like, can we just all just agree? We need to help lift people up into their places and lift people up in the giftings that God has given them in that way and cut out jealousy out of our lives. It's a poison. It's toxic. It rots you from the inside out, and it's robbing you from fulfilling God's purpose for your life because you're too worried about theirs. Like, we can do that. Like, we should celebrate. You did a fantastic job. And, and, not, and not these underhanded, like, oh, oh, you did great. And then behind their back, like, awful. Yeah, I could have done better. 
Uh, and people that have a leadership gift sometimes struggle with this because they see a leader lead and, they, and they're thinking about all the ways they could do it better. Be careful with that. Be careful with that. Allow that, uh, that to help strengthen your leadership of how you might do it differently next time, but don't allow that to, to, to like be critical of other people in that manner. So, so that is a gift, and we want to help you raise up in that gift, but don't be critical. Don't be critical. Jealousy is a form of idolatry. And, and God has dealt with enough idolatry. You read the Old Testament, and you see the Israelite people time and time again, they're dealing with building idols. Like, like let's, just, let's just get that out right now. Proverbs 14, 30, I want to remind you, it says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. So find peace. Find peace that gives life and it's a person. It's not a thing. Oh, I find peace when I'm on the boat. And, and you may. And I find peace when I, when I do my thing. And you may. But if you really want peace, it's not a place. It's a person. It's the prince of peace. And you need to allow Jesus to, to take that priority place in your life again and find peace. And it gives life to the whole body. It gives life to every part of your life. It'll, and when you place Jesus as that priority and you, and you say, okay, I'm just going to just hand over all my insecurities, my jealousy, I'm going to repent of it, and Jesus is going to place you back in the center of my life, and then all of a sudden you're going to realize, man, like, like the tide is rising in all areas of my life. My marriage is getting better. I, I'm happier with my job. Like, like I, I feel more fulfilled as a person. The, when Jesus is the center, the tide rises on all of these other things. And, and by doing so, you find identity in Jesus, identity that heals your low self-esteem and insecurities. We're only insecure because we don't know who we are. We, get, we have a low self-esteem because we don't know who we're created to be. But your identity is rooted in Christ. And when you make that connection, now all the, 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 the low self-esteem and, and now like your insecurities, you can kind of shake them off because you know who you are because you know who Jesus is. And you've placed them at the priority of your life. And a heart of peace gives life to the body. But jealousy and envy rots the bones. So jealousy it makes normally reasonable people do harmful things. Jealousy destroys your life from within. Jealousy is a form of idolatry. And if we can put those three questions back up on the screen real quick. How do you know if jealousy is destroying your life? Well, if the person you resent, does it irritate you when they succeed? Would it make you happy if they failed? And do you only see what's wrong with them and not what is right? Would you stand to your feet this morning as we wrap up? But in, this, in the topic of jealousy, listen, jealousy will ruin your life. It will destroy your life. And so, so you've got to watch it. And so this is our time to say, okay, Lord, uh, do, do, do a quick check in my heart. Will you evaluate? This is our moment of evaluation. Is there jealousy in my life that I need to deal with, that I need to repent of? So Lord, some things we're going to sing. Our prayer team is going to come. And, uh, and if you need prayer, you can come and at this time as they sing.